0: And today I've got my lovely bride of 20 years joining me as we wrap up the series, You Drive Me Crazy, and we're just going to open up our lives and also uh, not only talk from our life experience, but also talk to you about some of the questions that you asked. There were questions that were online on Facebook or emailed to the office, and we want to answer some of those questions today. And so Tiffany and I have not had a perfect marriage. Uh, We are imperfect people. Um. We've had challenges in marriage. Uh, There are times that I drive her crazy and she drives me crazy. We wanna talk a little bit about that. I'll I'll let Tiffany start. Tiffany, what kind of, would you say, drives you crazy about me?
1: Well, yes, darling. (laughs) I.
0: Here's where it begins. This is
1: where it begins, people. No, actually, um, when I first thought about this, I went back to 1997 when we said, I do, and became husband and wife. And I think that the first thing in our marriage that initially just drove me crazy was the fact that he did not trust me. And not only did it drive me crazy, but it really hurt my heart because I kept thinking, what have I done to show you that you have reason to distrust me? Like I am trying everything I can um, to love you, to support you. And so After time, this distrust started to just kind of eat away at me. And not only did it make me feel um, just discouraged and devastated, um, it kind of created some insecurity. But after some time, I discovered that his lack of trust had really nothing to do with me and what I was doing. Um, It really was rooted in his experiences that he had had prior to meeting
0: me. That's a kind way of saying I was a hot mess (laughs) when we got married. I'm giving you kind of the interpretation of what she is saying. I was a mess when we, I was a mess emotionally, mentally when we got married. How many know you bring baggage into marriage? Mm -hmm. We all bring different baggage, but this was part of my baggage I brought into marriage was a lack Mm -hmm. of trust. I didn't trust her, I didn't trust anybody. Anybody grew up in a family where there was some mistrust, and some of your family did some stuff to you, and you were hurt, and you couldn't even trust some folks, and so now now you're now not trusting anybody, and that's kind of what, I, what happened with Tiffany and I.
1: Yes, and it was difficult because um, you just don't, you're, you feel like, I don't know um, what's going to cause him to um, be upset with me, and I'm not really sure the next step of how to prove that he can trust me, but once I discovered... And this helped so much. Once I realized that his actions and his distrust were not directly connected to what I was doing. It allowed me to have a mindset moving forward that regardless, I am going to continue to love, continue to do things to show him that I'm trustworthy, that I'm safe, um, that I'm out for his best interests, that I'm not trying to manipulate, or I'm not saying kind things just to get something from him. Um, But I have to tell you, it would drive me crazy because I would think, what in the world? I have not done anything for you to distrust me. And I'm not perfect by any means, but that was a hard one. I think another one, okay, there's one more. I'll share one more. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right. Amen.
1: (laughs) We have time, right? Okay. Just one more. Um, Another one that was really hard for me was that he is a worst-case scenario thinker, and I'm a best-case scenario thinker. So when we go into a situation, I'm thinking of how wonderful this could be, and everything's going to work out, and the world is amazing. And he's thinking of what is the worst possible thing that could ever happen in this situation. And so that would drive me crazy. And um, in fact, when our first son, we brought him home from the hospital in 2003, And um, I remember that drive home from the hospital, wanting so much to be a good mother. And we got home and I laid out the changing mat on our carpet in our living room. And I laid our son on the changing mat to change his diaper. And then Herbert walks in and it was like the world had exploded. He was so upset that I would put our son on the floor and I'm crushed. Hey,
0: that bad, there could be germs down there, girl. Who been walking on that floor? Some diseases down there. Yes. Put that baby down on the floor.
1: And I'm so- sobbing and I'm like sobbing and changing the diaper and I'm like, I just wanna be a good mom. And like, I'm devastated. And and he's thinking of every possible horrible thing that could happen by having him on the floor. Um, and so situations like that would drive me crazy because I was like, why do you always have to think of the worst thing and bring it down? But in time, what I discovered was this is actually a very good strength that he brings to our relationship. Um, because we are so taken care of um, as his wife, um, our family, even this church, we are so taken care of because he is thinking of every possible thing that could happen down the line and preparing for it and ensuring that he'll have an answer if that happens.
0: But it'll drive you crazy if you live with me. (laughs) But now that could happen. How are we going to be prepared? And that could happen. How are we going to be prepared for that? And that can happen. But how many know about baby number four, you change him outside in the dirt? How many know that? Come on. (laughs) I don't have an issue anymore. <laughs> Change the baby wherever. It'll be all right. What drives me crazy about Tiffany, early on in marriage, it was uh, when she disrespected me. And she didn't do it intentionally, but that's how I would take it and feel. And I think for a lot of men, one of our number one desires and needs is to be respected. And so when I felt disrespected, that's why I- I've shared with you, we used to argue over card games. And because she would say things to me that I, I just took it as being disrespectful, and we'd get in arguments and fights because I didn't feel respected. And so early on, that was probably one of the things. I would say another thing too early on in marriage was I did not like it when she mommed me. You know what I mean? So so my my mom would always say, "Honey, baby, you got your coat on. Is your coat? Is your, Are you warm? Are you wearing your coat now?" You taking your vitamins? Yes, mama, I'm 30. I'm okay, I got my vitamins, I'm wearing my coat. And so that just always irritated me by my mama and Tiffany so sweet. Are you okay? Yes, <laughs> I'm good. So that, that was probably something that used to really irritate me. I worked through it, and my responses early on in marriage weren't not good. So that, they were wrong responses. I didn't handle it, I was very immature, and my responses to Tiffany weren't great. Uh, something else that really just kind of drove me crazy is Tiffany. We're just opposites, so she's a procrastinator, and I'm a type A, get it done right now kind of personality, and so that just grated on me and just rubbed me wrong. You know, it's the old saying, and I shared this at the marriage conference, and it's so true. Before you're married, opposites, man, you know what? We just Oh, we just love each other. Oh, you're going to compliment me. I just love you. Opposites attract. And after marriage, opposites attack. And so that's what kind of just took place in our marriage, you know, it's just this uh, kind of attacking and not appreciating her. And, you know, Tiffany's go with the flow, and I'm more structured. She would be, oh, I'm going to get it done in the next few weeks. And I'm thinking, why can't you get it done today? You know, so. Those kinds of things just really, really drove me crazy and have driven me crazy and still at times drive me crazy. My response is much better. And I have grown immensely. Uh, And so we handle things like that much, much better. We have had seasons of struggle. Uh, We've had difficult seasons in our marriage. A few years ago was a a real rocky patch for us and trying just to work through hurts and pains and words we have said to each other. and things that we have did unintentionally to one another. But it was a difficult season for us. And what would you say, Tiffany, just some of the things that uh, you had to change uh, for us to have a better marriage when we were having really seasons of difficulty?
1: Yes, the first thing, honestly, that I had to do was stop playing the blame game. And I had to stop... Um, Putting all of the blame onto Herbert, and so I think that um, in our years of marriage, I had developed some unhealthy unhealthy patterns and ways um, of interacting in certain situations, especially in situations maybe of disagreement with Herbert. And so um, instead of in that season saying, "Well, I wouldn't be where I am right now if he hadn't done this, or I wouldn't feel this way if he hadn't said this," I had to really just like full stop and look at myself and think, okay, but what is your responsibility in this? Because I had equal responsibility. I was a grown woman responsible for my own actions um, and reactions to situations. And so first of all, I had to stop blaming Herbert and um, really look at my own issue in the situation. Um, Another thing is um, I decided up to this point, I tried to make changes, but it was almost like I was just putting a band-aid over things. And so I decided I'm going to deal with the root of my dysfunction and the issues that I'm bringing into the marriage versus just tending to the branches and um, trying to fix it for the time um, to get us past that season. And so I really had to go deep and ask myself questions like, why don't I like conflict? Why will I not have hard conversations? Why will I cave easily? Why do I... I take things so personal? Um, why do I feel so emotional? Um, all those things, I just really had to stop and, and take a look at it um, and not uh, just try to like brush past it and just get through it. Another was um, I decided that I was going to do what was right no matter how I felt. And so that meant that I would decide to have that hard conversation, even if it felt painful and I didn't like it, Um, that I would respond in love even if I was feeling hurt. Um, All of those things, it was just choosing. And it wasn't easy, and it was actually the harder route because you had to actually deal with the raw emotions. But um, just deciding, like, I was going right. To the root source um, because I was tired. I was tired of going through the same conversation year after year, over and over. I was tired of um, trying to resolve things, and it's still coming up year after year after year. So Um, and then I think another one that really helped, I had kind of got stuck in this place. Um, where I was just reliving the hurt that I had felt from maybe um, past conversations or things that he didn't even realize that he had done because I wouldn't communicate about it, but it, like, would hurt me very deeply, and I just had to decide, like, I am done reliving what has happened, I'm done focusing on the past, and I want to focus forward because I want an even greater, more healthy, thriving marriage for the rest of my life. And so going back isn't gonna help. Obviously, when you have things that you need to work through, you have to do that. You have to deal with those. But just to relive it over and over, like that's ridiculous to keep doing that over and over if you're wanting a thriving marriage. So I just had to stop focusing so much on the past and what happened and decide I'm like focusing forward in our relationship. Yeah,
0: and, I, and, I, and that caused tension because I'm the exact opposite. I'm a move forward kind of person. So Tiffany would be bringing up, but well, you know, you, you, you said this and it hurt me. I'm like, I said that? Yeah, well, let's talk about it. Like, let's don't, let's just move on. You know. What I mean? So that was more. That would be more me, right? So she would, May you, see, you did this thing, that, you remember that time? I'm like, no, wait, I kinda do, but it's not that big, let's just move on. Come on, in Jesus' name, you know. And she's like, no, let's talk about it. So we'll be talking and crying, and I'm crying. I'm like, God, help me, you know. So, um, so it's really, it really was real for us, you know, trying to work through those, those things and feelings. And uh, for me, let me just talk to you because there have been rocky seasons and just changes I've had to make uh, for us to work through those seasons. And today, our marriage is stronger than ever. Uh, we're more in love than er- ever, Uh, So I thank the Lord for that, but there have been changes in both of our lives uh, to have a strong marriage. And so here's some things that were big for me. I stopped trying to change Tiffany and start focusing on changing myself. And most people don't realize that you're more focused on changing your spouse, and you become critical, judgmental, you're always uh, nagging, nitpicking, because you're trying to change them. And now I've really embraced who Tiffany is And I'm focused on becoming a better version of me. It's what Pastor Scotty said last week. It's really true. That has helped me so much. Herbert, you are not Holy Spirit Jr. (laughs) Stop trying to change her. And so I began to focus on changing me. I changed my defensive posture. This was big. I talked to you a couple of weeks ago about defensiveness because it was really big for me. But I changed my posture. So I stopped being argumentative. I just said, I'm not going to continue to be argumentative. I'm going to start listening better. And so I've really worked on listening. I, I, I've learned to really validate Tiffany's feelings. Because in the past, I would think, well, you're the problem. Just get over it. You know, pray through. I wouldn't say it like that. But that's what, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, just come on. Let's move forward. Amen. Praise the Lord. Get over it. Change. You know what I mean? That's, but I was not validating how she was really Feeling it was my own defensiveness that was causing that, and then a big one for me is I, I, I would always justify what I did or said. So I'm a communicator. Uh, I preach uh, for a living. I communicate all the time, the gospel in so many different settings and training leaders, and so I communicate all the time. And so I could out communicate Tiffany. So every it- time. So in in any argument, I'd always, you know, I'd have all my angles and how I communicate and I'd say, well, you know, I know what you're saying, but what if you think about like this and look at this angle? And if we think about it like that, and then I'm wondering if that really is accurate what you're saying, because if you process it from this point of view, I am wondering that there could be a discrepancy. And with a discrepancy comes these three things.
1: By the, the end, I doubted what I even started. I was like, "How did? I, why did I bring this up? I don't, I, uh, you're right, I don't know. And then I'd be like, I'm just not going to bring things up anymore.
0: <laughs> which, is not hap- which is not helpful. <laughs> which is not helpful. So I learned this, I learned this, being right is not the win. Being right. Being right will have you with no peace. Being right will have your spouse say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Being right can make you feel better, but, but most of the time, it won't make your marriage better. And so I just had to learn, you know, being right is not the end goal. And I had to really address my own emotional unhealth. I was being defensive because there were some things in my own heart that weren't healthy. And so to really deal with those things and talk to the Lord about them and work on myself was really, really big. Here, here's another thing I had to change. I, I began to realize the difference between my intentions and impact. See, most of us, Judge other people based on their actions, but we judge ourselves based on based on our intentions. And so I would judge Tiffany on what she said or what she did. I I would judge other people based on what they said or they did. But I would say to other people about myself, "Don't you know my heart? Don't you know my intentions? I would never try to hurt you. I would never do that on purpose. But what I would do, I would literally justify that my intentions." what also should equal a positive impact. And I had to really be, begin to address with myself, Herbert, just because your intentions are good and your motives are good, doesn't mean that your impact is good. Those are two different things. And so I began to re- re- reevaluate, I said that and here's the kind of impact that it had. I did this and here's the kind of impact that it had. That was not my intentions or my motives, but what do I need to change so that it has a different impact versus justing, justifying the impact because my intentions are good. So that was really, really big for me to work through and process. And I really started to seek to understand Tiffany instead of just to be understood. I spent a lot of years of our marriage talking so she could understand me. And now I do a whole lot more listening so that I can understand her. I've grown in that now, haven't baby?
1: You have, baby. I need some
0: affirmation, y'all. I'm up here spilling my guts. Give me some affirmation. I really have worked at this a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's really had a big impact on our marriage and our communication. Now, Tiffany, we have busy lives. We have four children at one time, they were four, they were four and five and under, four and under. We had four children, four and under, because she can't keep her hands off of me. Pray for me, y'all, that's a whole other whole whole message. So that's a whole other sermon. Um, we have four children, we're raising them. Our oldest is now 14, be 15 this year, and our youngest is nine. Uh, so we're raising our children busy they're in activities and games and we're also pastoring a growing church how would you say we work at staying in love with very busy lives
1: yes i would say from day one we made the commitment and the decision that we were going to work on our marriage just as much and even more than we work on other things that we want to be great. So we knew that having a great marriage was going to take a lot of investment, um, a lot of conversation, a lot of time together. And so from day one, we just knew, like, we are committed to this for the long haul, and we're committed to invest and make it work.
0: So big. I think this is such, such a big switch of thinking for some people. If you're going to have a great marriage, it is a lot of work. If any relationship's going to be good, it is a lot of work. You will not drift into a great marriage. And so we just have this mindset that it, if we're gonna have a great marriage, in busy season, all that we're doing, it is a lot of work.
1: It is a lot of work, and one of the things- Great work, it's a lot of work. Hey, it's great, it's fun work, I'll say that.
0: Most of the time. <laughs> not what i'm crying okay we're being
1: completely honest yes okay um another thing that i think that we did early on um that has been successful for us is that we did not put our kids before our marriage but we put our marriage before our kids and i think that that's one thing that easily gets reversed um when people start having children and life starts to feel more hectic at times and busy and so um for 20 years, our date night has always been Thursday nights. It still is. And I can remember when our kids were itty-bitty little ones, and they would just be crying, like sobbing, don't leave us, don't go on a date. And, you know, the mama heartstrings. I'm like, I want to be with him, but it's just like that tug of, like, they're crying. And, um, but we did it. We left them home crying Bye. and sobbing. Bye. And... <laughs> We left, and we went on our date, Um, and... (laughs) Bye. I know, and here's the thing, kids are so sly, they're so smart, they know how to manipulate, they know how to get what they want, to bring on the waterworks, and so we just decided early on, like, we're not going to base what we do in our marriage on what our kids want, Um, and I will say, now that they're older, our oldest is 14, so 14 down to 9, they so value the investment that we make in each other, like they know it's date night. Every once in a while, one of them will still say, why do you have to leave me? But we go. Um, but even talking to them now, like the um, the example that we have set in investing in our marriage has so bled over into what they think um, family will be when they have their own that they already talk about date nights when they get married and the things that they're going to do with their spouse. So,
0: And then part, part of just kind of Not having a kid-centric home Mm -hmm. you know sometimes i hear someone say you know what we just our our life's so busy our kids and we have activity we we feel the same way with our activities and we're in 47 different events with our children i'm thinking but you're the adult stop it Mm -hmm. like don't let your kids run your whole life and so we love our children they are in activities right now basketball season for all of them is wrapping up and we we are evaluating what they will do we will determine What is the best thing for our family in this season based on our marriage and what they need, but it's not based upon, we're going to be driven by what you say, children. No, 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 no. We we, we know what's best, we know what's best for our family, best for you, and we're gonna make decisions based from that lens, not based on what you're telling us, because that becomes kid-centric. Matter of fact, I am raising all of you to leave. (laughs) You can't stay. I'm not trying to build my whole world around you because you're leaving. Yes. You're leaving. Yes. You will leave in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm raising you to leave. So I'm I building my whole world around you then my world falls apart when you're gone. No, you will leave. <laughs> so one of the things that's really, really helped us is that we plan our calendar around our marriage and family. So at the end of every year, we lay out a calendar. And so I not only pastor People's Church and love what we do here, but I have an opportunity to invest in leaders, so I I'm sit on a, some some couple couple of boards, two or three boards that I have to travel to, and I speak out of some pastors' conferences and training leaders, and have an opportunity to, to invest. You know, I'll take two or three engagements from, from churches to speak on Sundays, and so I'm, I'm I'm investing in people, and we're all that's laid out. So most of them, eighty percent of my travel and uh, kids' activities, what we what we're going to do our vaca- our vacation, all that gets on the calendar before anything else. So we know here's date night. Here's vacation, when we're going to go on vacation. Uh, we have our trip together that we take in the summer together. We, that's on the calendar. We know when we're going, where we're going. Our, our anniversary is on the calendar, and we know we're going to get away together on that day, just us two. That's, we, we build our life around how do we have a healthy marriage and invest in our marriage, not reacting to life. If you react to it, then you always say, we don't have time for each other. We plan our time for each other. So you call and say, Pastor, I really need to talk to you on Thursday night. No, you don't. No, you don't. You really don't get to do that. I'm going to really take her out on a date because this is the most important relationship that I have outside of Jesus. And so it's, it's planned on our calendar. And we have just basically said divorce is not an option. Yes. Divorce yes. <laughs> is just not an option. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I. from day one, um, we just knew that we were committed in the good and the bad. And so um, that was completely off the table as an option. So we know going into challenging season or times when we need to work through something, as Herbert referred to a couple years ago, um, it's that choice of, okay, do I want to live in the state that our marriage is now for the rest of our life? Or are we going to put in the work and invest and do the hard things to come out on the other side so we can have a thriving, healthy marriage? And so we did that. I mean, I would say for a solid year it was just um, continual conversations for understanding. Um, It was both of us being very proactive to make changes based on those conversations, um, and really heavy investment in our marriage during that time. And now we can say that we are more in love than ever and more excited about the future than ever, Um, but we didn't have the option, either of us, to bail. And that actually created some security and safety to go into it the way that we did, full on, because we knew, I knew he's not gonna bail on me, like, he's here for the long haul, and we're gonna work through this.
0: Yeah, so we worked through it, and Tiffany said, I will not divorce you, I will kill you, but I, I will not divorce you. Okay, she didn't really say that. She didn't really say that. But I have told her, go ahead and leave if you want to. I'm coming with you, so.
1: <laughs> he does say that frequently, So, yeah. Um, but, <laughs>
0: and just fun
1: (laughs) yes and fun i think another thing um that's not talked about as much but one of the things that has helped us to maintain such a thriving marriage is also maintaining our sex life and so specifically for women, um, based on some of the questions we received and conversations that have been had, um, I just want to encourage you not to use sex as a weapon against your husband, or as a punishment, um, not to manipulate. Um, It's not something that you put in front of him, like if you're good to me, I'll be good to you, but if you're not good to me, I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be good to you. Um, I just encourage you, and I know that this area Um, can be one that's challenging for people because it's so layered and so many things tie into intimacy in a marriage. But I just want to encourage you. And there's a scripture, um, if you read in 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, and it talks about when you're married, that your body is not just yours, but it is also your spouse's. So my body is not just mine. It is also Herbert's. Amen. And, (laughs) And again... Can I get a witness? There's so many layers to that, but I just encourage you, though, just not to use that um, as a punishment or a weapon against your spouse.
0: Yeah, and I would just say to the men, men, don't exploit your wife. Um, You got to treat her as a princess. Value her, cherish her, love her. Um, Sex should be something, and intimacy, intimacy for your wife is... It happens in the morning, in the kitchen. That's where it begins. So you think, you know, nine o'clock at night, you're like, let's get it on. <laughs> and you've been a jerk all day. Yeah. She doesn't feel cherished. It's, you gotta, she needs to feel cherished and valued, not exploited. So that's just really, really big that you really work on realizing that I need to invest in my wife and listening and realize intimacy begins just in a conversation, her feeling valued and cherished. So it's really, really big in a marriage. And yet intimacy is really big and something that needs to be worked on and thought about in a marriage relationship. Um, there, There were lots of questions that we received this past week on basically the gist of it would be, is it possible to fix a broken marriage? Now it could have been lies or adultery or we don't get along or we're falling out of love. But the basic question, overarching question is, can a broken marriage be fixed? And the answer is, yes, it can. We want to just talk to you for a few moments about if your marriage is broken and hurting, how do you fix a broken marriage? And the first thing that I would say is both people have to be committed to the marriage. Both people have to be committed to working on the marriage There there are some people that would say, you know what, I will. It's 50-50. If they give 50, I'll give 50. And I'm telling you, that approach will not work. If you're going to fix a broken marriage, it's 100%, 100%. It's not if you give 50, I'll give 50. It's like, I'm going to give 100% to fix our marriage. Regardless of what you do, I'm giving a 100%. And the other spouse has to say, and I'm giving 100%. I'm all in. I'm going to do whatever it takes to work on our marriage. not 50-50 is 100, 100 to fix a broken marriage.
1: Yes, and I would also say that fixing a broken marriage is not based on your feelings, but it's about your actions. So when you've experienced a pain or what you feel as a betrayal or you have lost trust, um, oftentimes you're not gonna have fuzzy feelings, like this is gonna be great and I'm so excited to work through this. Um, But I encourage you to do what you know is right to do, do the things that you know are necessary to heal the hurt in that relationship. And when you are faithful, to just take one step after the other and to work on restoring that relationship, Then the feelings will follow in time as it heals. But I just encourage you, as um, Pastor Scotty shared last week, to not let your feelings make your decisions for you because so often our emotions and our feelings, they'll lead us astray and they'll take us down a path um, that leads to further destruction. So I just encourage you to do the bright things that you know to do to rebuild
0: that. Yes, it's so true. Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment, and if you feel like, I'm not going to work on our broken marriage because I don't feel like it, then you'll never fix your marriage because, it's, listen, when you're struggling in marriage, there were days Stephen and I didn't feel like working on our marriage, but we were committed to it, and so if you will do the right thing and be committed and take action to start fixing your marriage, feelings will follow. Feelings will follow, but you have to take steps now and say, I'm going to fix it even though I don't. Feel like it. I'm going to work on it, even though I don't feel like it. And I would say this to somebody who's lost trust: lying, deception, uh, pornography, adultery. You've just lost trust with your spouse. I would encourage you do the hard work of rebuilding trust. And rebuilding trust is not just about saying I'm sorry or apologizing. It's also about your actions. And so rebuilding trust is about being willing to be accountable to about where you're going, who you're seeing, who you're with, who you're talking to. It's doing, it's doing the hard work, because hey, I've, you, you've lost trust and now you're trying to work to rebuild it back. And so those things really matter. Some of you are there, you've lost trust. And what you don't want to do is fill it. Tiffany and I have worked with couples, we worked with a lot of couples, and oftentimes people will fill it with entitlement. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm entitled, you ought to just trust me. You ought to just, you ought to just trust me now. You know, it only happened once, so trust me. No, 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 that's not a great response. You want to respond by saying, I'm going to humble myself, and I'm willing to be accountable to rebuild trust in our relationship. And I think that also begins with just listening to one another. We'll start, if, you're, if, you're, if your marriage is struggling, start listening to one another again. I think that's really key is just listening to one another.
1: Absolutely, and I think also to have patience in the process. Um, This kind of thing isn't gonna just happen with one conversation or even five conversations likely. Um, It's something that needs time to heal and As much patience as you want your spouse to give to you, you need to think in return and give that to your spouse. And I, you know, with, um, you know, as Herbert said, there were times that he was just like, Tiffany, I am done listening to you talk about this. Like, can we be over it and move on already? And for me, it just it was a process of feeling like I was um, sharing layers of my heart and it was healing for me to actually be able to speak it. And so for him to have patience with me meant so much just because it allowed me to actually heal in the process of conversation.
0: Totally, and, and, and that's no infidelity or anything involved. So just imagine how complex it, complex it is when there's infidelity, when there's lying and deception, to work through it you got to have patience and I encourage you get some Christian professional counseling go see a professional to help you work on your marriage and I think the number one thing and it can sound like a cliche but it's so true pursue God with all your heart whenever a marriage is struggling and broken it's because there's also broken fellowship with God there's some things that just need to get right with the Lord and humbling ourselves and letting God work on our lives. And so I had to do that. Just continue to humble myself before the Lord, let him work in my heart. Tiffany had to do that. And when your marriage is broken, you have to be willing to humble yourself and pursue God with all of your heart. And we ask questions from our from our singles. And love all of our singles. Yes. Love all of you. I want to help you all. And some of you ask questions like, what is the best advice you would give to singles who are looking for a spouse? So I want to just kind of talk to our singles for a few moments. And the first piece of advice that I would give you if you're looking for a spouse is date a Christ follower, not a believer in God. Those are, those are two different things. Date a Christ follower, not a believer in God. There are a lot of people say, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. Date somebody who is actually following Christ. In other words, they go to church. They didn't start going to church when they start dating you. They go to church. They're in a small group. They tithe. They serve. They worship. They read the Bible on their own. Date a Christ follower. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and verse 14, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. It's really challenging if you're a Christian, if you marry an unbeliever and you have a different belief system, different ideology, different viewpoints, your your truth is based on two different things. Listen, one of the best things you can do, that's what God knew what he was talking about when he says, Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers.
1: Yes, and I would encourage singles to go slow and get to know the person. So it's so easy to get wrapped up in the rush of discovering somebody new and the emotions and the excitement, but I just encourage you to please be slow to giving pieces of your heart away um, to really get to know that person, as Herbert was saying. And um, you, know, you can think about it as being a fruit inspector. Um, as Galatians talks about um, fruit of the spirit, Do they display the fruit of the Spirit in their life? You need to inspect that. Um, Do they have love? Do they have joy? Do they have peace in their lives? Peace with God and peace with others. Um, Are they kind? Do they have goodness? Are they patient? Do they have patience with you and with others? Are they faithful? Are they faithful to the commitments they've made? Um, Are they faithful to a job, to school, if they're in school? Are they faithful to the relationships that are in their lives? Um, You just really want to inspect the faithfulness of their life. Um,
0: I I think it's so big. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse number 16, you shall know them by their fruit, Mm -hmm. not by what they say. It's like when you go to Walmart or Target, Target, and you're looking at the fruit. Come on, you got that. <laughs> feeling it? Is it ripe? Was it look? That's what you got to do with people. You got to check out the fruit. You got to inspect the fruit. And one of the ways you inspect the fruit is how do they treat their family and friends? Yeah. And listen, if he treats his mama like a jerk, he's going to treat you like a jerk. Yeah. If she treats her daddy like a jerk, she's going to treat you like a jerk. Mm-hmm. If they treat their friends like a jerk, mm-hmm. they treat... The people around them like a jerk, that's how they're going to treat you. But he is so nice. (laughs) He's so sweet. Oh, that devil's going to come out. That same devil you seen over there just messing with Coming out on you soon. you got to look at the fruit. How do they treat other people? Here's what I like to say. The best predictor of future performance is past performance. The best predictor of future performance is past performance. And I would encourage you with this, singles. You attract who you are, not what you want. I've said it time and time again, it's so true. You attract who you are, not what you want. So if you want somebody godly and faithful and full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then you have to examine your, on, your, on your own life, is that who you are? Because you're going to attract who you are, not what you want. So if you're out clubbing, going to the parties, getting high and drunk, lying and stealing, and then you're saying, I'm going to get me somebody on fire for Jesus. Probably not. You know, if you're on Instagram and putting out pictures everywhere, and all your pictures are scandalous. Okay. I'm going to find me a godly spouse. No, there's no godly spouse looking through them pictures trying to find you. There's some people that want you, but they're probably not godly. You attract who you are, not what you want. Would you give it up for my wife, Tiffany, for joining me today and sharing our life and about marriage and relationships. Come on, give it up for her one more time. Thanks, Tiffany, for joining me today.